Hey there, friends. It's Nick. So I'm going to talk about getting a taste of my own medicine today. And an uncomfortable taste, actually, at <laughs> that. Yesterday, a client sent me some work to review. And one of the pieces of feedback I gave, which is a very common piece of feedback for me, is that I wanted him to dig deeper into the emotions involved in this particular incident that he was talking about. So without going into detail, he has wide expertise. He helps serious companies solve serious problems, and he's called into these companies to help them solve serious problems. And this, in this particular piece, he was sort of talking about how in this one particular context, a company called him in, I was called into a company to, to help with X. And this is what we did, you know, A, B, C, D, E kind of thing. But I want to understand, I want to dig into the people that called him in, whether it was the founders or the investors or whoever, what were they feeling? What were they looking at? What were their emotions? Because a company that calls him in has a problem and it might be kind of an existential problem. It might be that serious. So when a person in that company, the leader, the founder, the investor, whatever, takes the decision to call him in. What are they looking at? What are they feeling? What's going through their mind? And the, the reason that matters, you know, how does a founder feel? I've been in this situation, right? In 2002, I was in this situation where, you know, I'd, be, I'd, I'd had a company for what, six years and I could feel it slipping away. We were a couple of weeks away at the tail end of the dot-com crash. This was a couple of weeks away from just shutting up shop and, um, possibly losing the house that my wife and I bought a few years before. Anyway, that didn't happen, thankfully, but I know, I know how that feels. I know that kind of creeping dread. And I want to get some of that out of my client, right? Because if we can, if we can embody that emotion in his piece, the kind of prospects he is looking for will recognize those feelings. They'll recognize their yeah, they recognize those emotions because we don't do anything unless we care about it. Yeah. And we've talked about this before. Very often it's because we're trying to get away from pain. So if we, as kind of uh, storytellers, as marketers can channel that pain, I mean, not in a, you know, purient way, it's not EastEnders we're talking about, but, but if they can recognize themselves in us, they know that we get it. So this is what I wanted to, this is what I wanted to do. I sort of, it wasn't exactly a, you know, redo your homework kind of conversation, but it was about the, the value of actually digging deeper into this emotion. And I give this advice all the time, both on this podcast and to my sort of private clients. And, you know, one of the things I say is okay to be, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's powerful to be vulnerable. I know it's uncomfortable, I say, but. Smugly, I know it's uncomfortable, but it's, it can be really powerful to be vulnerable sometimes. And then last night, in a piece of cosmic karma, I got my just desserts for for saying that. I've mentioned before, I think, that my daughter is at university. She's studying creative writing, which I love, obviously. But at the moment, the module she's doing is creative nonfiction, which is kind of like kind of Michael Lewis. If you know Michael Lewis's books, you might've read the undying project or something like that, where he's, he's dealing about real with real events, dealing with real events, but 
it's, it's written in a creative way. He's, it's not just journalism. And anyway, Abby is doing her piece at the moment and the piece she's decided to work on is an experience from her childhood. Uh, it was an experience where I aged 10 years in a day, actually, well, in about five minutes, but she was six when this happened. And Abby and I took our neighbor who I've mentioned on this podcast before, lovely George, who died last year. We took him to the station. He was off to see his son at the train station. This was, and we were just giving him a lift. And when we got there, we, I bought a cup of coffee and we were waiting for the train. And I just thought I'd help George on to the train. So I gave Abby my cup of coffee. I gave her my, I, I was wearing a big kind of jumper and it was pretty chilly. It was Christmas time coming up to Christmas. I had a big sort of open zip kind of jumper and I gave her that as well. So she stood on the platform. She's got this big red jumper on. And she's holding my big cup of coffee in her little six-year-old hands. And I'm helping George onto the train. And it's the usual thing. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he was always fit for his age, but he's still 88 at this point. And as I'm settling him and making sure he's settled in his seat and he knows where his suitcases are, the train starts to move. And this is absolutely incomprehensible to me because the, the, I mean, well, the train was late basically. And the turnaround was extraordinarily fast. There were still people stood up all over the train. They were obviously trying to make up time. And this sense of dread, I'm looking at Abby through the door. She's still on the platform, this tiny kid, massive jumper, ma massive cup of coffee. I don't know why I'm laughing because actually it was one of the worst moments of my life. I think certainly the Certainly my, my least good bit of parenting ever. Um, George has realized I'm still on the train. She's going, is everything all right? And it's really not all right. It's really not all right at this point. And last night I got to read Abby's, the first draft of Abby's account of this moment. And we've talked about it a lot before, but one thing I didn't realize is that she thinks I'm joking. Somehow her six-year-old head, which doesn't really understand trains particularly thinks that it's just one of dad's jokes. And then she says in this, in this writing, I think, I think dad's joking, but dad always smiles when he jokes and he's not smiling now. And if you're a parent or if you've lost a kid or temporarily mislaid a kid, shall we say, Right now, you will have some kind of a shadow of the way that I was feeling as the train pulled out of that station. And of course, I was looking for an emergency cord. I was looking for the guard, but I was also trapped in this incredibly ridiculous, stupid English kind of reaction, which was, I need this train to stop right now. And I also don't want to cause a fuss. I mean, it's so ridiculous. And of course, everything was fine. I found the guard, the guard phoned the station immediately. Um, my wife and son were there within, within five minutes and Abby was looked after by one of the station employees while that happened. But when we talk about emotion, when we, when we actually tap into the emotions around our business, around the emotions that our clients feel, 
I hope you can see that we can, we can reach people at a different level. We can connect to other human beings at a different level. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, I'm not, I'm not proud of this moment in my life. I'm very proud of, of Abby and how she held it together, but also I know the power of talking about stuff that, that we do wrong. I understand, I mean, it's, there is such a pressure in business, particularly in life in general, but in business, particularly to, for everything always to be okay. For us always to wear those masks. But if we want to connect with people, like really connect, we need to talk about the stuff that hurts us, the stuff that we learned from, hopefully. <laughs> because it's the stuff that we can use to help make sure that our stories mean business. Thanks for listening. Remember, if you want to dig deeper into the stuff that I do, search online for story.business. Bye now.